You're listening to Lab Notes, your weekly guide to science and innovation. Hello, I am Marek Inatpanos. And I'm Leo Stevens. Welcome to The Brief, where we cover two concepts from science and business. Hi Mark, what have you got for us today? Hi Leo, today I want to talk about the Nobel Prizes. So these are a set of annual international awards bestowed in several categories by the Northern European countries of Sweden and Norway and their institutions in recognition of academic, cultural or scientific advances. They are very prestigious and any scientist receiving such an award can be truly called a rock star scientist, at least in my humble opinion. So the prizes were established in 1895 through the will of Alfred Nobel, who made his fortune by inventing dynamite. The prizes for chemistry, literature, peace, physics, and physiology or medicine were first awarded in 1901. In 1965, a Swedish bank established the Severgers Riksbank Prize in Economic Sciences and Memory of Alfred Nobel. Or in other words, the one for economics is not a Nobel Prize, but it's awarded on the same principles. Now, what do you get? You get about 1.4 million in cash, a gold medal and a diploma. And probably most important, everlasting fame and glory. How can you get your hands on one of these? Well, that's actually a bit harder. So there is a process which starts with being nominated and it ends with a vote by the relevant Swedish or Norwegian academy. And obviously, you also need to be breathing to be awarded one. And these are very briefly the key aspect of Nobel Prizes. Oh, interesting that not all the things we think of in Nobel Prizes are Nobel Prizes. You were saying that the Economics Prize was not part of it. I've also heard that there is no prize for math. That's correct. There is no prize for mathematics. The reasons for that are not entirely clear. I have not been able to find a validated story on this. There are loads of rumours. One of them is that Alfred Nobel obviously held a personal grudge against mathematicians. There is even one saying that it was because his wife allegedly cheated with a mathematician, but that's unsubstantiated because Alfred Nobel was not actually actually married. Unsubstantiated, but fun. Fun substantiated. Absolutely. All right. Um, another question is, who can nominate people for Nobel Prizes? Because it's not just any member of the public, right? No, it, there, there seems to be a select group of people that can nominate. So you have to be established scientists in the field. So, for example, I can't nominate people because I'm not deemed established enough. Really? Even as a professor? No, I don't think I can. Huh. You should try. Maybe I'll try. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the financing of the Nobel Prize, you said you know this was established more than 100 years ago. They've been giving out $5 million a year that whole time, effectively. How does this keep happening? <laughs> well, through investments. Apparently, the, the story is that initially it was invested in bonds, as was dictated by the will of Alfred Nobel, but then later they were hemorrhaging money, to sort of speak, so they managed to change their investment portfolio, and now they seem to be making money again. 
So they're, they're getting enough out of this investment returns to cover both the prices and keeping the and funds keeping, together. Keeping everything going, correct, yeah. Do you have any idea how much was originally bequested? It must have been a large sum. Uh, it's a bit hard. Um, I, I don't actually know the actual money involved. I do know that at the time of his death, Alfred Noble was worth about $250 million in today's dollars. Okay. So if he gave the lion's share of that to the prices, that probably gives you a ballpark of... It's a pretty big pool. Something to aspire to if you want to leave a... Sure. Leave a legacy like Alfred Nobel, you need to have $200 million in your and lifetime. And just have a really cool invention like dynamite, yeah. which changes the world. A dynamite invention. Yeah. So that's probably all we have time for. What have you got today, Leo? Yeah. All right. Um, let's jump into trading insolvent. So technically, insolvent trading occurs when an insolvent company takes on new liabilities. That's a lot of jargon. So let's unwrap it and start with insolvency. Insolvency is simply the state of being unable to pay your debts when they fall due. A lot of times this is simply just a cash flow issue. The businesses don't have the cash to pay the debts, but they still have some assets they own, which they could sell or leverage to pay those debts that are coming due. The second and more serious type of insolvency is balance sheet insolvency. This is where a company would still be unable to pay all its debts, even if it sold all of the assets it's owned. Regardless of which type, insolvency is a serious and tenuous position for a business to be in. Company directors who suspect their business is insolvent are obligated to immediately cease taking on new liabilities and take steps to remedy the insolvency through asset sales, recapitalization, or by placing the company into administration. If a company and its directors fail to take this action, and continue to operate the business despite its debt burden, that is when they are trading insolvent. In these instances, the directors can be held personally liable for any new debt the company accrues while it is insolvent, and this can quickly render the directors themselves bankrupt too. And that is insolvent trading. Cool. So can you briefly explain what, what you mean when a company goes into administration? So administration is basically the process of bringing in different people to run the business. So you've had your company executive and your company directors doing their darndest for however long to keep this business running profitably. Um, and because the business is now insolvent, the assumption is that they have failed for one reason or another. Administrators come in to try to remedy that, to restructure the business and make it profitable again. Administrators have protections against these trading insolvent rules because the assumption is they're coming into a business that's already in a dire state. They do not have the same personal liability for the insolvent trading that a director does. So because of those protections, they can spend a bit more time fixing the problems and you know negotiating new terms with banks, etc., to get this business back on its feet. And almost always, a company that goes into administration will lose jobs you know, we'll have shareholders who lose money. It, it's almost always a costly process, basically, as they shake out all of the problems that were in the business and try to make a leaner, meaner machine to come out the other side. So what does it look like coming out on the other side? Is that still the administrator do a job like we've seen, for example, with certain councils where councils get put under administration and then the term gets over and it gets handed back to elected people again. But what happens in terms of companies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there will still be shareholders of that company. And if there is a successful exit from administration, the company is still a going concern, then those shareholders will have another AGM and another opportunity to elect directors, 
those directors will have an opportunity to install a new executive, new CEO, new COO. Um, so yes, the company does get handed back to a state of normality post-administration, provided that there was enough assets and resources to, to get it going again. But crucially, not with the original founders and CEOs. Not necessarily. Um, it would be between the administrators, the shareholders, the bondholders too, so people who had debts to the company have a say in this process. If, if the founder was you know, doing a great job, they, they might get reinstalled. But generally, yeah, the, these shakeouts will lead to pretty serious changes at the top, if only because you know, the original founders might be disheartened by the big backward step they've taken. You know, they've, they've almost certainly had their business shrunk in size through this process. So a lot of founders might you know, not want to continue to rebuild yeah, but what I've, what I've seen a couple of times is you have a shop and it sells a certain product, then shop gets announced, it goes into administration, and then it's only the name on the shop that changes, and a little bit later it's trading again as a different shop. Is that done so that liabilities to customers or um, so they don't have to honor orders that customers have, have put in? So, well, there's a difference between administration and bankruptcy then. So... If the administrators come in and decide that there definitely isn't a way to restructure the business and pay everybody off, then they might have to declare bankruptcy. And that's when people won't have their you know, liabilities paid, including you know, customers who had orders outstanding. But what will generally happen in those administration periods is that a portion of the business will close. They might close underperforming stores. They might fire surplus staff. But of the few stores that are left that were profitable, they will come out and continue to trade. So... It will depend on which business you're talking about and it will depend on kind of which areas of that business were performing and non-performing. And one really quick final question because we're running close to our time. Why would any director allow their company to get to such a state where they would be liable with their own personal assets? Well, a director never should allow a company to trade insolvent um, and it's, it's actually illegal for them to do so. But what can happen is that directors aren't in the business day to day. They come in every month or every quarter to review the company, to talk to the executive. So really it's the executives that drive a lot of the decisions on the ground. And if there's not great communication between them, sometimes a company can find itself in this position before the directors realise that can be when real problems occur. Okay, cool. Thank you. That's probably all we have time for today. See you next time. See you next time.